Back to Puck and the Gas Man on your home for Seattle's best NFL draft coverage. Sports Radio 950, KJR. Oh, one of my favorite uh, pitchers is back with the Seattle Mariners. Breaking news. Heredia? They called him up. He's going to start today's game. They got rid of one Cuban and they brought another one back. (laughs) The defector. This is, I mean, uh, oh, man. uh, Rowenis Elias is back with the Mariners. The Red Sox have traded... Uh, Rowanis to the Mariners in exchange for a player to be named later or cash consideration. Uh, they're down there. They're Trader Jerry, he's down there working it. I love this guy. He's working it. Oh, I love him so much. Yeah. He's one of my favorite all-time Mariner sure. pitchers. Was he all that good? Nah, Hit and miss. That Just doesn't matter. Him. I love him. You know, you look, look it's, you can have a favorite, but it's part of baseball. You have a favorite player who's just an average, everyday guy. But he's a good bulldog, man. He'll go right yeah. after you. He always thinks he's got better stuff than he really does. But there he is. They made a, uh, made a trade today uh, to add uh, Elias to the uh, roster in exchange for a player to be named later. Cash considerations. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right. All right. Deal with the uh, Red Sox. Uh, joining us right now on the Beacon Plumbing oh, this Hotline. Is gonna, this is going to be good. Our NFL draft <laughs> expert, Hugh Millen, who you will hear him <laughs> wall-to-wall coverage this week starting Wednesday, okay. of course, with the uh, Mahler-Millen mock draft, uh, which uh, hits the airwaves at 3 o'clock uh, this Wednesday over at Dino's. Hi, Hugh. How are you? Pug gas, how are you guys? Gas don't oversell now. Uh, no, no, that puts me in the the role of under delivering. Puck has told me that what I need to do is really corner you on exactly who the Hawks are going to take. <laughs> Number eighteen, I want a player. Hugh, no more dodging from you. I want to pick right now. <laughs> I said not. Don't do that. Yes, when you were a Hoosier, did you cram for your finals? Never. <laughs> no, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was one of these prepare guys, right? Uh, no, no, I'd go in and just wing it and hope I had, you know, oh. there was enough osmosis involved that maybe I picked up a few things here and yeah, there. Yeah, well, unfortunately, that doesn't help when you got to scout players. So, right, I still got four uh, sleepless nights, uh, and and I've had many, but um, you know, I, I before I lock into that thought, I you know, I just I feel a little uh, under. Under uh, uh, underdressed, I should say, to to try and make a prediction like that. I got to see know. all these guys. I know as much as I can. I know. Well, and I, I've told the story before. I make you... mistakes like the uh, yeah. I make the mistakes like the Russell Wilson, yeah. right? Well, but you weren't alone. I mean, that you and I are sitting there that day, and you were very passionate about it because that's how you are. But but you've been painted over the years as yeah. Well, you know, everybody else knew it was a brilliant pick. Balderdash. None of us thought it was a good pick. We all thought they had wasted a pick on a guy because they had just spent. $10 billion to get Flynn in. So you, it shows you, Q, it, it, at the end of the day, and not to discount what all of you guys who look at the draft do, but it, it shows you what a crapshoot it is. Who knows, right? Well, for, first of all, uh, the, the foremost point is um, I'm stupid, you're smart. It was really uh, stupid of me, wasn't it, to say that. <laughs> now, I, I do every year. I do every year say, look, I study the guys that I think are going to be first-rounders, about the top 40 guys. Right. I watch them all, the game tape. And I, feel, I always, uh, you know, I say, I'm not I'm Mel Kuyper. I'm not going to know seven rounds in. Right. So all I could remember is Russell Wilson couldn't win the damn Rose Bowl against those Ducks. That's right. And so, right. And so, uh, uh, you know, at that time, now, I would say the one just slightly uh, mitigating maybe uh, um, comment I had made was I said, look, if you're going to do that, um, 
I, I said one guy, take Nick Foles. How about Nick Foles? Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I understand Russell Wilson has had a substantially better career than Nick Foles, but and anyway, you know, I uh, I think Russ at the time, 5'10 and 5'8", uh, to play the quarterback position, uh, you know, I just thought this guy's going to have to walk on water to be able to compensate for that. And that's a Jason Garrett term, by the way, my old teammate. Um, you know, I, I called him up. Uh, I said, hey, what do you think of Russell? He says, well, you know, hey, he didn't speak specifically about Russell. He says, but he goes, look, we have a height, weight kind of protocol, you know, um, and, and, and we think that, you know, you play the percentages and guys tend to fit in these boxes. Will we go outside the box? Yes. But a guy's got to walk on water. I remember him using that term. Guy's got to walk on water for us to um, pull ourselves out of that box. And I, and I think he intimated, you know, we just didn't quite think that, that he did. But, yeah. you know, a lot of people, a lot of people did. Right. Uh, you know, most, most everybody kind of felt that way. So, so hey, uh, I, I don't think anybody's beyond looking like a fool, and certainly I did in that regard. But, you know, I've had to comment on every Husky and every Seahawks quarterback for about 19 years, man. It's um, uh, it's not an easy you, gig. You got, you got to put your stones on the line. That's right. Uh, Hugh Millen joining us on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline. All right, so our draft coverage basically starts tonight. I just want to give people a quick uh, a quick uh, preview of what you're going to hear and uh, from this uh, this week leading up to the draft. So tonight we got Tony Softley, Rob Rank, the next two nights from 6 to 8 doing their uh, NFL draft preview. And then I mentioned before on Wednesday you got Softy and Hugh will be down at Dino's from 3 to 6.30 for the 9.50 KJR mock draft. Uh, Rang and Softly will be back from 6 to 8, or so I would assume 7 to 8, uh, for the draft preview show. Then Thursday, you're going to he- hear Hugh on essentially all day long. He's going to be with Softy, then he's going to be with myself and Chuck, uh, and then also Tony on Thursday, Friday, and then, even, and then on Saturday you're going to hear him on with Chuck uh, from 12 to 3 o'clock. Over at the VMAX, so we're we're beating Hugh uh, into the ground Good. Good. this week. What when you when you make your chart, you and you start looking ahead to the draft on Thursday, Hugh, the uh, the needs for the Seahawks. How what how would you rank them for you as you head well, into Thursday? I, I would first of all say that there's more needs now than I can remember in a long, long time because I, I'm not sure that there's any real unit on the field other than maybe linebacker. But, of course, they're always going to say they need linebacker depth, uh, particularly for special teams and what have you. But but um, I think that every position is at least in a moderate position in need. I mean, you, I'll start with the offensive line. I still don't feel great about Ethan Posick and Jermaine Effetti uh, on that line. That's that's two-fifths of that line. And so, so if they can bring in competition – in those spots, um, you know, the Ethan, Ethan Postick, they say, well, he's going to get heavier. Well, he went to LSU. Um, I've been at their facility. they got a pretty cool weight room. they got a lot of 45-pound plates, and I assume they all weigh 45 pounds. Why do we, does he need to get a lot stronger now? You know, Jermaine Fetty takes too deep of a set for me uh, in his pass drop. So those are concerns. Tight end, of course, is a concern. Uh, receiver, they've acquired a couple of guys from Philly and Arizona that may add, but I still think they need that that kind of mid to, to large receiver. Running back is a position need. Uh, offen- uh, defensively, they need some pass. They only got one real pass rusher that you think you can count on in Frank Clark. That's that's as important as any position on a defensive field. 
You still need a corner. Uh, who knows what the safety situation is? So I, I think that uh, gas puck, I, I can't recall in the last six, seven, eight years feeling like there's more needs than what Seattle has now. Sounds like you think they'll be active. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but that, that a path they might take if they concur with you that they have a lot of holes is to be active in trying to acquire more picks, which would hardly be a shock. That's how they've been every year at the draft. But that this year, more than ever, if they've got this many holes, Hugh, they need they need more more bodies. Well, that's been kind of their mo, as, as you state there, and I can't imagine they're not going to duplicate that. I, I would, if I had to bet, I don't think we're going to be talking about a pick on day one. Mm-hmm. I think they'll trade out of eighteen, and I bet they'll do more than once. I mean, what's the over under on how many times they trade out of that? Is it is it so it's no lower than one and a half, right? I mean, right. If you could even Right. I mean, so so I mean, if I'm betting, you know, I'd, I'd take probably the over on one and a half. So so I think that that that's going to serve them well, acquire some guys. You, it's far less likely to, to result in a name that you love coming out of the weekend. But if you're shrewd and you're identifying talent, you know, I, I can remember Bobby Wagner. Eh, who the hell is Bobby Wagner? Right. Uh, second round, you know, Utah State. Does that really excite me? Well, you know, umpteen Pro Bowls later and a possible, you know, voyage to Canton. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about that pick. Of course, that was a second rounder. So so there's there's uh, examples of plenty of them getting those, you know, mid, mid-round mid picks, uh, those second, third-day guys. They, they've just got to be able to connect like they were in those years, 2010 to 2012. Uh, Hugh Millen joining us here on the Beacon Pumbling uh, Hotline, Puck and Gas, and again, Hugh is going to be with us all week long uh, for our NFL draft coverage, which really starts tonight. You got Rang and Tony Softly. We'll have shows here over the next three days uh, from six to eight o'clock. Then we got the Mahler Mill and Mock Draft on Wednesday, and then we'll take the whole gang. We're taking a bus over. I don't know if you know this, Hugh. It's a drinking bus. We're all going to head over on Thursday to the VMEC, Thursday and Friday. So it's kind of like a booze cruise. That's actually what we should have done. We should have taken one of those Argosy booze cruises over Lake Washington right to the right to the draft war room and just come in there like a bunch of pirates like they do it. Like you do know, from Seattle. time to time, we, us old guys, we got to revisit those frat days, right? Of course. Right. Of course. Um, well, you, lift, you, you listed off almost every single position on the team. If, I know. Um, what is what's the most pressing need for this team right now? I mean, let, let's say they could only draft one position group uh, th- this year. Is it is it offensive line? Offensive line. Is, offensive line still. I'm still going to say yeah. offensive line, and 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 you want to pin me down? I'll say right tackle. I okay. I just look and say what position has prevented them from reaching their highest potential the most. To, to me, it's right tackle. Uh, Jermaine and Fetty just hasn't done it for me. Okay, you know, your your old coach, and obviously it's a much different thing. But your old coach at college, uh, uh, the late great Don James, once told me he recruited five offensive linemen a minimum, five offensive linemen a year. Period, whether he needed them or not, because he knew he'd need them eventually. Obviously, this is a different thing, Hugh. But to your point, you want to get as many cards in your hand as you can with that offensive line, and it's been an area of weakness for this team, really since Super Bowl 48 ended. It's, it's been an area that has been eroding since then. Yeah, and, you know, the the, um, the disillusioning part, Gas, is that Seattle has, A, used 16 picks uh, since Carroll and Snyder got there. That is number one in the NFL. Not, not tied for one. That's one 
outright uh, most picks, and then you say, well, are, are they mid-late-round picks? Does that really count? Well, they have these things called the, uh, the draft value chart that assigns a particular numer- numeric value to every pick, and the teams have these charts available, and they consult them as they're, they're, they're uh, exercising their trades. They look down and say, well, if, if I'm going to give you my second, then, then that equates to a third and a fifth or something like that. You know? And so they have a numerical value. If you go by uh, – this, this isn't going to mean much to anybody, but the Shukers chart, the value chart, which is kind of replacing the Jimmy Johnson chart because it's based on more uh, you know, firm data through the years, the Shukers draft chart value, Seattle has more points allotted to the offensive line. It was like 5,200 and change uh, on that chart. Uh, by reference, the second most is 4,700. So even it, when you start to, to get granular on this thing, Seattle, by any way, you reasonably uh, uh, analyze it, then throw a lot of the, uh, the free agent acquisitions that they've had, you know, um, throwing $8 million at Luke Jokel or Robert Galloway or uh, Gallery, they have tried. And the fact that they are in the discussion year after year, you know, at least over the last couple, three years, uh, as possibly the worst offensive line in football just speaks to not their effort at it, just their, their lack of acumen. They're just, you know, it's just, they're swinging and missing. Do we expect That's that to change? Rate. We expect that to change with Solari? I mean, because because basically we are, we've all we criticized Cable in this town. I mean, everyone has that that this could he was the primary reason why the line was was terrible, and everyone has assumed that he had he had the entire say on the offensive line and what they drafted, and he worked them out and all that. And he was the final say in that draft room. Does it? Do we expect now that Mike Solari just changes? You know, I don't, I don't want to. Um, you know, parse your words too much, Puck, there, but when you say final say, technically I would say no. I, I believe that structurally Pete Carroll has the final say, right. and John Schneider, of course, has great input. Um, I, I would say it would be more accurate to say that Tom Cable took a very active role in scouting the the linemen and, and submitting his requests. And I believe that the club, in turn, gave him virtually carte blanche uh, autonomy on on those acquisitions. There was just something you could sense. I've been in every one of those post-game, uh, or excuse me, uh, draft, post-draft press conferences, and they wheel in Tom Cable, and by all accounts, it, it seems as though that's his pick. So I guess that's good news. If we're, if we're summarizing that they've had these failures, and we're, we're making the claim that Tom Cable was so central in those decisions, one could reasonably conclude that they've got to get better uh, if, if for no other reason somebody else is making the decisions. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I, I'm going to be intrigued with what they do this weekend, obviously, like everybody else, just because, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know who, who made that final call. Was Cable or Solari and, or, or was it Cable back in the day? How much say will Solari have? I guess we'll never know because we're never really in that in those uh, draft war rooms. Hugh, appreciate it, buddy. I know it's a busy week for you. Thanks so much for carving a few minutes with us today. Hammer down, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Hugh. Hugh, Hugh Millen. And I catch you again Wednesday. Dino's with Softy, the uh, Miller-Mullen mock draft.
Mullen? Did I say Mullen? I did. Yeah, that's fine. I did. The Miller. Miller Mi- Mullen. Mi- Millen. Instead of Mahler, Millen. Millen Mahler mock draft. We've got so many experts. I, I forgot my friend Rob Rang. To Rob mention him Rang? earlier, our, honest to God, there is not a sports radio station no, anywhere right. in the country. I, I, I believe it. Look, this is coming from a guy who doesn't really pay a lot of attention to the draft. Look at the roster we've got of people that can analyze this stuff. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, again, Tony Softley, Rob Rang, tonight, uh, tomorrow, and then on Wednesday, we'll be hosting an NFL Draft preview show from 6 to 8 o'clock. Again, the mock draft on Wednesday with Softy and Hugh starting at 3 o'clock over at Dino's. And then Thursday we get underway. Uh, Ian will be at Dino's from 1 to 3. Uh, Tony will be joining him for the final hour from 2. Or Excuse me, Tony will be on there 2 to 3 o'clock. Uh, then what else do we got? We, then Softy takes over with Hugh, Holmgren, and then uh, Tony again. And then I'll be over there with Chuck and Hugh and Tony. We'll just be there all week long. Guillermo Heredia is sitting in for an hour with Rob Rang analyzing the linebacker.